Welcome to this week's episode of Planet Nerd Podcast. As always, I'm Eric Weirdo alongside Jordan and Angie, and happy Father's Day to all the nerd dads and dads out there. Um, so, wish you guys the best. Keep doing what you're doing, guys. Uh, we got some good topics. Jordan, let's uh, kick us off. Yeah, guys. So, you know, being the theme of today is being Father's Day when we record this. Um, first of all, if you're a dad and you are trying to get your kid into nerd culture, Thank you. That's how this beautiful, wonderful world of nerd, nerd, nerd culture we have keeps growing. Um, so Eric and I kind of wanted to write down, like, really quick, like, a fun topic of, like, what's, like, a favorite superhero dad? And I kind of went for a superhero villain. And you're going to laugh, but I went with Thanos. And before you judge me, let's go ahead and get out of the way. We know, especially in the movies, he does kill Gamora. And in different runs in the comics... He kills his kids at some point or another. But let's remember, people, Thanos never got a chance. His dad and his mom never gave him a chance as a kid. So this is like a like metaphor for life. Because when he was born, his mom said he looked like pure evil and tried to kill him. And now, ultimately, he was evil, and ultimately, she was right. But still. And War Machine wanted to go back and kill baby Thanos. Exactly. So, I mean... Ultimately, you know, Thanos was a bad guy, but I still don't think as a baby, you know, especially a baby born out of, you know, on Titan, you know, that's not very fair. Give the kid a chance to be good. Um, but so that's one thing. So Thanos, number one, had a bad example set from the beginning. Number two, he is dedicated. First and foremost, he, he decided to exterminate an entire planet of Titan. Just because he loved Lady Death. She said, the only way to prove to me that you love me is if you exterminate everybody on this planet. And he did. So kids, while that may be a murderous way of going about it, but he's all about love. And he will go to any extent to prove his love to a woman. And, you know, as a man or a woman, you know, wherever you're in a relationship with someone, it's important, you know, to really show them that you care. And okay, it was a little west of how they went about it, but needless to say. Um, but most importantly with Thanos, man, is well, also he believes in having a good education. Um, it's been, you know, written several times that he is very much into science and stuff like that. Um, you know, he was considered brilliant and a mastermind. But Thanos is all about commitment. You know, this guy, when he sets his mind on doing something, he's gonna do it. Now I don't agree with the fact that half the entire universe needs to be wiped out. Though he did make some good points in Infinity War. I will give him credit for that. That's what makes him such a good villain. But kids, when you decide to commit to something, you commit to it regardless of what it takes to do. You stick with it and you see it through. And that's a good example for life. I say all this jokingly, but yeah. When I thought of like famous superhero dads, like that was the first one that popped in my mind. What about you, Eric? Who's your favorite superhero dad? And there's a lot to choose from. I mean, I was looking, I mean, you can look at Tony Stark, Odin, but I ultimately landed on Robert Parr, aka Mr. Incredible, uh, because he, as we know, the supers went away in Incredibles and to support his family, he worked in insurance and was miserable and hated his job and life where it was at but he was supporting his family 
and kind of a metaphor for life as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then he realized, and then it would sneak out and do his superhero things, and ultimately the family united as heroes. And that's kind of the role of a father is to keep the family united and strong and support them no matter what. And that is probably why he's my favorite superhero dad. And in Incredibles 2, kind of flip the plot there where Mrs. Incredible goes out to Elastigirl goes out and does her thing and he's staying at home and helping the kids with the homework and getting them ready and it's it was good. I mean he's that type of dad that helps and supports and ultimately that's why he's the ultimate superhero dad to me. Dude, I love that choice because as a dad, especially a single dad, you have to wear the hat of many things. So sometimes you have to go out and be the superhero and be the provider and the savior and stuff like that. But then there's other roles where you got to sit at home and be with the kids, you know? And, you know, like for me right now, like I'm learning how to do my daughter's hair. I don't have hair, but I'm learning how to do her hair. And I miss Incredibles, definitely the most relatable superhero dad. I think of any superhero dad. So that was an absolute perfect choice. So I think that's why I went there too, because it is more relatable. I mean, yeah, I mean, we didn't really see the full extent of Tony Stark being a dad in Endgame. Um, but, I mean, but yeah, I mean, Mr. Incredible is probably the most relatable. And it's also a great movie. <laughs> they really are. Like, the, those movies, anybody that doesn't consider them like a true and true superhero movie is crazy because those movies are amazing. And they are all about, like, that's probably one of the more grounded superhero shows, actually. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah, we thought this would be fun because uh, we are recording this on Father's Day to do a little superhero dad uh, moment. But uh, let's get into the main topics. Uh, this past week, uh, last weekend through early this week, uh, E3 occurred for the first time in two years. So uh, it had its ups and downs. Um, Jordan? So, yeah, I mean, e- E3, especially the last couple of years, I know because of the pandemic and stuff like that, um, hit, but I didn't even really write down anything noteworthy. Like, you know, it's E3. Um, so, Eric, if you have anything specific about what actually dropped or showed, like I said, I didn't write anything down specifically that was like, wow, that's something we're talking about. I, I have a different type of question, a different take on E3. Yeah, yeah, before we get into that, um, I did write some notes down. Um, Sony skipped it this year, and it basically gave, in the gaming platform wars, Microsoft uh, basically giving them a guarantee win. <laughs> uh, and there were some first looks that came out for for Xbox, Starfield, Forza Horizon 5. Um, but, there, but Halo Infinite, um, we got our first look of. And... Yeah, it goes back to college uh, for all of us playing on live and all that. But um, it's their multiplayer version, and the favorite the equipment's coming back. The warthogs, the the brute chopper, everyone's favorite cheat weapon, the gravity hammer, and energy sword. 
are coming back. Um, God, there's some memories of those two weapons. Ooh, Halo 3, I'm looking at you, baby. Ooh. Uh, we played a ton of that in college. Um, but yeah, it's a... So that stuff's coming back, so they're kind of mixing the older version with the newer multiplayer platform that they're coming out with. Uh, but the biggest one to me, um, I thought was Capcom. And they really disappointed uh, because they there were there weren't any really drops. There were just more rundowns uh, that we knew about. Um, Resident Evil's multiplayer RE verse. It's it was meh. Like just look at the trailer for it. It doesn't look that entertaining. And there was no teaser about RE Village DLC that's supposedly in development. Capcom's highlight is this is the 20th anniversary of the Ace Attorney Chronicles, um, which is the PC game. They're going Victorian era with Herlock Sholmes. <laughs> um, That's not any kind of possible IP infringement, is it? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a. Uh, but yeah, that's Capcom uh, doing. Capcom things, but overall, though, from what I was reading on the game sites and blogs, Twitter, obviously it wasn't the same. And E3 used to be like a big, it was like Comic Con level <laughs> um, pre pandemic. Like it was Comic Con for, for gamers. And this year, they, it was didn't really have the crowd reactions like you usually do. P- platforms and companies weren't really showing out this year. So maybe next year will be different, but uh, Jordan, I know you had a question. Yeah, it's, it, I guess it's a take more than anything else. But my take or question is, is E3 still necessary? And I'll just explain myself. So you mentioned PlayStation decided they didn't want to be a part of it. So the biggest top top selling, it sold more than Xbox, um, platform has decided that this isn't something we weren't going to put money into. And even before the pandemic, there had been murmurs and rumors of possible, you know, major developers not coming and stuff like that. And then now you have other developers having their own. Um, you know, specifically like Blizzard, you know, the guys that make World of Warcraft um, and those types of games. And they decided they weren't going to participate either. And they have their own. Uh, they have BlizzCon they do every year. And I, I remember a point, and, you know, I think it was probably even back when our college days, dude, E3 was a big deal. You know, we would watch the freaking press conferences and yes. be in awe and the announcements and stuff like that. And, you know, 10, 15 years ago, E3 was so cool. But nowadays, with social media and just, you know, the spread of information, I just, again, I hope it doesn't go away because E3 is still cool. But something needs to change about it for me, for me to care again, you know? Because in all honesty, even Comic-Con, you know, the only reason people really care about Comic-Con, other than people actually going to it, is because they just want to hear the big announcements. And even Disney has pulled out of Comic-Con. You know, and because they have their own. They have, you know, uh, D20, D23. D23, yeah. So, 
my question, I guess, Eric, and I'll just leave it to you, and then we can move on. Is how necessary is E three in twenty twenty one, and even predated the pandemic, where again there was already questions about developers and platforms not coming. Is it really necessary? I really don't think these are necessary anyway. Um, I'd love to go to them. I would love to go to these types of events though, because I think they're better experienced in person. Um, but there's just a lot of them. There's a lot of, like you said, BlizzCon, D23, these companies could start going on their, are going to start going on their own. Apple does their own launches and announcement parties. So it's either going to be, we're going to see the trend go into different directions, like more individual or, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, you're either going to go individual or these cons are going to die. <laughs> um, like that. When you look at like EA, you know, EA moves the needle and I'm, we will not get into EA. So if you want to hear our thoughts on EA, listen to our sports podcast for this week, because we're going to get into that for a little bit. Um, it's very widely known that you and I both pretty much despise the evil empire that is electronic arts. But, you know, EA moves the needle of their industry by just tweeting out, you know, and saying, hey, here's a trailer from Madden. And that's kind of what I'm saying is that, like, I would love to go to an E3, like you said, but at the same time, is it really necessary to, to me, just the hype is gone. So it's like I, I get just as hyped for EA tweeting out and saying, hey, here's the new Madden trailer and some of the features as I would, you know, gathering around the TV like we did back in college and, you know, live streaming E3 at 8 o'clock at night like we thought we were cool. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, yeah, I mean, with this being the first real uh, big event, in the entertainment world, like in the gaming world, um, post quote unquote pandemic, I'm going to say post because a lot of places, California fully opened up this past week, um, New York's open. So these entertainment capitals, uh, like New York and California are fully open and you can't get the full crowd in last minute. Um, so whatever capacity they had, that was it. I mean, you can't really, taking event planning classes in our major, we know you can't make those shifts last minute because it's just a clusterfuck um, to begin with. Um, so maybe next year will be better. Um, but if it's not, then I think the E3 needs to go away if next year isn't full and full of energy like it usually was. For sure, buddy. All right, what, what's the best topic we have on the agenda today? Uh, I know we were talking... Um, E3's uh, lack of teasers and you mentioned EA trailers. A teaser dropped this past week and it's season three of Titans, HBO Max, August 12th. So yeah, I'm, it looked good. I'm stoked. It was a teaser, but there were some subtle hints and not so subtle hints, Jordan. Uh, first and foremost, guys, uh, we're getting the Joker from what it looks like. Um, that wasn't 
so subtle. Between the laugh and the guy hanging up whose face looked very much like the Joker to the person in the trailer dancing kind of awkwardly and funny like the Joker would. Um, so it seems like we're either getting the Joker or at least the seeds of the Joker. Um, and to me, the other big standout was Red Hood. Um, I have loved that character. I think he's so cool. Um, so we're getting Red Hood. The one thing that they mentioned that we were supposed to be getting is Scarecrow. I went back and watched the trailer a couple times. I didn't see any teases of Scarecrow, though it's pretty clear we're going to Arkham. So that's probably we're going to get him. Um, and just, man, guys, if you haven't, I mean, we talk about it on here all the time. Titans is so good. It's by far the best and most consistent DC property that I think is out there. Unless you're into the animated stuff, which I'm really not. Um, but I'm just ready, dude. I mean, you know, Nightwing looks so cool. I mean, just the, the design on that show is so good. The characters are good. I like the fact that it's like younger actors and actresses that aren't big name celebrities, but just they, so you get the character. You know, I'm not looking at the fact that I'm looking at an actor. I'm looking at the fact that this is like the character. And goddamn, that show is. I'm ready. Give me Titans now. Yeah, there's some new looks. Uh, Starfire looked a little different, I felt. Um, we have Blackfire coming in um, from the end of season two. Uh, Barbara Gordon was in it. So she's now the commission of Gotham. And you mentioned Scarecrow and Joker. Gotham's going to be the center point this year in this. So it's going to be interesting. Bruce is in there too. Yeah. Bruce Wayne was in there looking all concerned. So it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting season. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, August 12th, HBO max, check it out. Uh, get caught up if you haven't. Um, it's just, yeah. Uh, we are absolutely going to be doing weekly reviews on it. Yes. Like, so if you are into it or, you know, you haven't gotten into it yet, you've got a couple of months, you know, uh, yeah, we will be doing weekly recaps on that. Absolutely. Um, not much in that little teaser, but for such a little teaser, it packed a lot of punch. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. Uh, interest, I'm going to be interested to see how they how they go uh, forward, um, use Gotham and some of the Gotham characters. So as Bart Scott said, can't wait. Thank you, Bart. Um, Alrighty, what's next on our agenda for the week? Well, we got uh, episode two of Loki to discuss. Um, what were your thoughts? Man, this show is fantastic. Like, holy crap. Like, I think you texted me and said, give Tom Hiddleston the Emmy already, or the Emmy already. Absolutely. Um, you know, for me, um, without, you know, getting, you know, too much in it, we'll have a back and forth. But number one, there's a movie trope. I always like to point out movie tropes. This week, you get the protagonist goes to search for files. And over a stretch of time, whether it's immediately or over, he immediately finds the answer that the big organization that's been working on this for years can't find. So I don't know. It's like one of those like moments of convenience that like helps 
push push the plot along, but it's a movie trope, so I'm going to point it out. Um, to me, it's all about Loki and Mobius. Um, you know, you get a lot of, you know, Mobius and Loki and their relationship and how it's developing. I read one thing online that said, you know, Loki gets excited when he gets praised, which is a significant for a child that was neglected and not given the love he thought he wanted, which that's Loki. So I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, uh, Eric, I think we got Lady Loki, question mark. Yes, we do have Lady Loki. Um, I like this one. I mean, because we got to really see different time variants. Um, and I just liked it when I, before they went to the different times. There, Mobius is always and like we're looking for Loki and Tom Hiddleston. Loki goes just so it was like just the other Lokis, like not not me, the other one. Like, and what I noticed too is when he goes into the field, he's starting to test his boundaries. Like he said, it's sort of like a child exploring the first time. Like they're testing. He's testing the boundaries. He was testing, like see if he could escape, and obviously not. But you mentioned the movie trope. There was one that I caught that I liked. In the the hood, like the cape with the hood covering the face, so you didn't know. It was very similar to the way Infinity War did it with the Red Skull. Uh, ooh, I like that. So that that's like because that's like the reveal thing. It's like oh, there was the the hooded mysterious figure who could it be yeah. and it shocked the shit out of me in infinity war yeah like you weren't expecting that and it's like holy shit it i mean we know red skull was a nazi and horrible person but talk about internal punishment <laughs> um but yeah that kind of goes back to the whole thanos thing whoops <laughs> But you know, if you're following the variants, past, future, and the future one was probably one of my favorite. Was the, probably my favorite variant that they went into in this episode because when they're walking around the hurricane shelter, different Lokis, different characters played as Loki, and it was very unique to see how they did that. But then it came to the ultimate reveal of Lady Loki, but. My question is, is are they revealing her as Lady Loki because they're getting ready to introduce Enchantress? Uh, yes, give it to me. Sure. Like, absolutely. Uh, I'm on the mindset of Marvel is just so good. You know, as long as you don't say the M word, we don't say that M character on the show anymore um, who has horns and resembles the devil. Um. Yeah, give me a, give give me enchantress. Um, really quick too. Um, I love the Pompeii scene. How they just screw the poor people of Pompeii, like knowing they're gonna die. Oh, that was, um, yeah, that was. It was. It's so dark. Um, but the fact that Loki just is like fucking with him, and it's like, yeah, well, you're gonna die. So none of this is inconsequential anyway. Yeah. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, he's such a dick. Yeah. And that's what makes him awesome to me. 
Like he's, I mean, the god of mischief. I mean, that's what he does. And it was, like I said, I mean, he's testing his boundaries, and that was a big test. I mean, that's probably the most famous volcanic eruption in history. Um, and also, everyone talks about Pompeii. I feel bad for Herculaneum. That doesn't get talked about. That's like the redhead stepchild of that er- eruption. It's like, oh, poor Pompeii. And that's like, uh, Herculaneum just got destroyed too. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> Maybe uh, Bastille will write a song about Herculaneum next. <laughs> but, uh, and, okay, so my, my, my big question, or I think the thing that we're going down is the timekeepers. It, we're going to get more into them. And I have some questions. Um, number one, are they real? Is that a real thing? Or, you know, because the, the, there's a lot of mystery behind the, the TVA is like the what's going on with Wanda of the show. You know, like what's the mystery behind this? Because clearly it's not this hunky dory organization that, you know, it appears to be. I don't think so. Maybe WandaVision has scarred me from life and made me, you know, ignorant to everything. But like, um, I see a lot of rumors online that maybe Kang the Conqueror is one of them. Um, again, yes. Give me Kang. You mentioned Enchantress. Give me Enchantress. I don't care. I want all these weird, goofy B and C villains and antiheroes. Um, but yeah, my question is, are the timekeepers real? And what's going to happen with that? Because it's clear Loki... It's always important to remember, and I have to remind myself, this is this is first Avengers movie, Loki. Yes. And so he's a dick. He's a bad guy. This is a bad guy. You know, he is hell-bent on conquering the world. I, I feel like any character development we're going to get out of him is going to be inconsequential. There's no reason for Marvel, you know, to add anything to it. This is a specific Loki in a specific time. He is who he is at this point. He hasn't had all these other life-changing events happen to him. And yeah, my question is, what's going on with the timekeepers and where are we going? Yeah, I mean, that is the question. I mean, we're seeing so many different time jumps and different eras. I mean, we were in, we were in 1985. We were in 79 AD. We were in 2050. So it's the question. I mean, I don't know where we're going to go. But I do think now Lady Loki is going to be the central point here. I mean, the way it ended, um, Loki went after her. So we're going to probably pick up episode three with that. Um, But also, I think one of my favorite things too about that episode, and it's becoming a favorite side character of mine, is Miss Minutes. <laughs> like, dude, she's so funny. Like Loki was about to go batshit crazy on her. <laughs> um, and he's just, he's like the kid and he's like that one kid in class that knows he's smarter than everyone and acts that way and gives smart ass answers, but then gives the correct one. Um, that's sort of what that scene reminded me of, but yeah, that was just a funny interaction and part of me wonders too, like what's the point of that character? Like you mentioned the timekeeper. So like, is she part of that? 
I'm telling you, man, WandaVision, WandaVision has changed this all forever because no longer, unless there's a character like Falcon Winter Soldier was very black and white, you know, and even with John Walker, we knew no, what we were no getting. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to go down that road. That guy. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> In no way is that a, yeah. a terminology involving the thematic of the show of race. I meant black and white in terms of things are what they are. No, I know. I you know, I know. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Eric Loki. Um, and uh, but WandaVision, man, we there were so many characters that you could read into because you could tell that they were designed for us to be like, is this character more than what they seem they should be? And WandaVision changed us for that, at least it did for me, where I don't look at characters, especially in like goofy Marvel shows, the same anymore. Because I'm like, mm, I wonder if that's all that's going on. And yeah, Miss um, Minute, the timekeepers, the uh, the lady, the Mobius's boss. I look at her differently. Mobius is about the only character I look at that's pretty straightforward. And shout out to this show for showcasing the highest caffeinated soda of the '90s, Josta. Shasta. Is it Josta? Shasta? It's, it's, it's Shasta Cola. Like, Good stuff, actually. Like, I mean, that's basically four loco without alcohol. That's how much caffeine was in that thing. <laughs> um, but see, and like you said, like that's such a little subtle reference. Like, oh, Marvel, man, those fuckers, they, they do detail better than anybody ever has done before. Like, you know, say what you want to about, like, the old big overarching things. They do detail better than anybody else. DC, if they have to take one thing from Marvel other than not being shitty, detail. Because people notice that. You know? Yeah. Um, but that, but yeah, that's our review of Loki this week. It was, it was good. Uh, the show is great. I wish it was Fridays, but it's Wednesdays, so. Every Wednesday before work, I'm I'm watching it, um, and then we we go from there. So yeah, man. All right, so have, I'm gonna. We have our new segment now. We have some news that broke. We have. Um, let's see what are we gonna do. With it? Okay, so uh, Eric, are we gonna do the movie pass thing next? Is that where we're going? And let's go. Uh. Let's go AMC. Go AMC. Okay. A- All right. The AMC stock. I mean, that's seen a nice rebound after its year in the gutter. Well, so I'll kind of set it up. So, guys, the, the next two segments aren't going to be superhero related. It's more entertainment industry, but it's very important because if you don't pay attention to this stuff. You know, the big fancy movies and stuff like that don't happen like the way they should. But AMC is the number one movie theater company in the world. They own more screens than anybody else. Um, Prior to the pandemic, they had been spending tens of millions of dollars renovating the theaters. If you have an AMC near you, there's a good chance they probably got a facelift with leather seating and better uh, projection screens. And AMC is the big dog as far as the movie theater industry. So prior to the pandemic, they took on all this debt, did all this renovation. Right at the pandemic hit, they shut down for a year. So now they have spent all this money 
and they have all this debt and they're getting zero revenue. Well, people still want to get paid for the shit they did. So for the last year, they've been floundering, rightfully so. Um, and they've been on the brink of bankruptcy. There was a point like the end of last year where it didn't look like we were going to have AMC theaters anymore. Um, and <laughs> the internet is a powerful, wonderful thing. And, um, you know, it, it, like a savior, you know, if you guys have heard about this whole Redditors meme stock thing, um, where, you know, there's a group of Redditors that are going around and just randomly deciding to overinflate the stock price of a company. They decided to help our friends AMC out. Um, and literally their stocks went from $2 a share to over $70 a share. Um, I checked this morning, they're down to $59 a share. And in two days, they erased all of that debt. Um, so all this tens of millions of dollars, that should tell you how significant, <laughs> how much money was popped into it. And I think the coolest part was that the shareholders acknowledged, we know our stock's not going to sit here. Our stock has never sat in the $60, $70 range. Um, so the, a lot of them are selling their stocks, but rather than just profiting it, like a lot of other greedy movie companies that we won't, we're going to talk about here in a minute, um, they've pretty much said that they're going to go and invest it into the business, which is awesome. So I'm a big movie theater fan. Um, I love going to the theater. It's an experience. You know, some people like to spend their money on going to baseball games, which I love, but, you know, for me to go see a movie like Black Widow in a theater is just the coolest thing. So um, that's kind of the story, Eric. I'll just kind of get your thoughts on it and we can kind of have a little discussion. Yeah. Um, obviously, obviously this quarter, um, again, I mentioned it in the earlier segment with E3, we got states opening up fully. Capacities are gone, are fully full capacity. We're starting to see it with movies. Um, Foot traffic to the theaters increased 79% week over week during the fourth week of May. Week over week, the first week of June, that number was 159%. And we're hitting peak movie season in the next couple weeks. Um, that midsummer blockbuster season. And while the stock probably won't really rise i think it's going to hold steady there but it'll probably fall back down into the 30s that's what some of the projections i read is that it it's it, again at some point with the stock market without getting too financially focused is at some point things always settle to what they are every stock has a median that they ultimately you know fall to and you know amc is typically in the 20 to 35 dollar range so yeah. i don't think it'll sit at 60 bucks a share yeah, um, so we'll see what the numbers do there. Um, but yeah, I mean, just that when that one week span, it jumped 80% from 79 to 159. Um, so we're, people are getting more comfortable going out. Like I said, peak movie season. Um, we'll kick off with Black Widow. And we'll see be interesting to see what the numbers uh, look like for theaters uh, when that hits the screens. Oh, here's another little tidbit I wrote down too, sorry. 
Um, so I don't know how familiar everybody is with LA and stuff like that. I I watch a lot of movie stuff because I'm kind of a real dork. I guess that's what Planet Nerds is about. Um, but there's a big chain in LA of these really premium, cool theaters called the ArcLight Theaters. Um, and they announced they were going into bankruptcy, um, which is a bummer because if you live in LA, number one, that's where a lot of the movie theater, that's where a lot of the movies premiere at. Um, you know, a lot of your major movies premiere at an ArcLight Theater. Um, and yeah, there's just casualty of the pandemic. And that's one of the things AMC has talked about they're going to do is they're possibly going to buy and rent out some of these Barclay theaters. So, you know, yeah, you take a company that has seen the entire spectrum of the pandemic, you know, from literally the bottom of the barrel, you know, it's right now they're kind of sitting on a high horse and it just as a movie fan, it makes me excited because again, better movie theater experiences are always a good thing. Um, you know, to have better seating. There's just to me, there's a theater right on the road for me called the Grand and in Winston Salem. And it's literally the best movie theater experience. It's not owned by a major, um, it's not an AMC or I don't think it's a regal either. Um, but you know, leather power reclining seats, assigned seating. You know, the you know, the price of the concessions is kind of high, but really it's not super high for what it should be. Um, you know, for two people to go have popcorn and a drink, it's like 20 bucks, which is expected. Um, there's an IMAX theater, there's a couple IMAX theaters, and it's just going to see a movie in 2021 or 2022 is so much better of an experience. And if you have a company like AMC helping save some of these really cool parts of history and also improving their experience. Uh, it, it makes me want to support AMC. So I'm going to try and go to, there's an AMC in town. Um, so I'll probably, you know, go to it now just as, you know, goodwill because they've clearly shown that. Yeah. The other one, I mean, AMC is obviously the big news there. Um, they are raising to buy Arclight, but one of the, in, the LA suburb of Sherman Oaks, the other big movie chain, movie theater chain, Regal, Regal Cinemas, um, bought out um, the ArcLight in Sherman Oaks. So these, the two giants are, t- are trying to keep the indus- industry afloat there. Um, so be interesting to follow this. Uh, but yeah, um, I think the government has been involved with another movie issue. Oh, Eric, this topic, guys, here's a trigger warning for me. Um, you know, I hate scumbags. I think we all do. And there's a little company, if you guys have not heard of MoviePass, um, that came out several years ago. Um, I will give a very quick history on them. It was a subscription service where for $10 a month, you could go see unlimited movies. Sounds cool, right? Like, holy crap. Like, I can go to an AMC and see any premium movie I want and I only have to pay 10 bucks a month. And the way it worked is they gave you a debit card, essentially. You would go to the movie theater. You would pre-buy your ticket. You would swipe your movie pass debit card and it would buy it off the debit card. Um, so we went from that to the FTC investigating them now. Uh so 
Uh, Eric, please feel free to jump in at, at any point because uh, I'm going to lose my shit thinking about the level of unethical. That's probably the word I'll go stick with. Let's go with unethical um, practices this company had. First of all, it was parent company to a company called Helios and Matheson, um, whose personal stock is tanked in the toilet. Good. Um, so basically, this whole $10 a month thing was based purely on the fact that they were going to amass a huge customer base, which at 10 bucks a month, I mean, shit. I remember when it came out, I was thinking about it. Like, wow, that's that's really good. But then at the same time, you're like, that's too good to be true. Your average movie theater ticket price in America is 10 bucks a month. If you're telling me I can go see unlimited movies, you know, one per day, that's that's $300 a month worth of ticket prices. And I only have to pay 10 bucks. Um, so here's what their goal was. Um, yeah, and Eric, I'll, I'll let... The saying, if something seems too good to be true, it usually is. Yeah. <laughs> this fits the bill. Um, yeah. And yeah. Um, if it smells they, like shit, it probably is. They uh, There are three pretty big roadblocks they put up um, to prevent consumers from using the service the way it was advertised um the first if you want to jump in but the first was password disruption meaning they invalidated passwords of seventy-five thousand subscribers who use the service the most saying they detected suspicious activity or suspected fraud and they rigged it to where the password reset process failed and their customer service was famous for being some of the worst ever. So if you called to try and help get your password reset, they'd tell you to fuck off. Yeah, it's and that that's roadblock number one. Um, number two was ticket quote unquote ticket verification program, and twenty percent, approximately forty five thousand other subscribers to submit photos of their ticket stubs within a certain time frame. And the company then said, hey, you've been randomly selected to participate in this program. But the consumers didn't know they were the top 20% that used it the most. And when they didn't send them, send the stubs in photo form in a timely manner, MoviePass would bar them from going to movies or just cancel their subscription without telling them. That is bullshit. Pretty scummy, huh? It gets worse. Yes, it does. Um, they imposed a twip, a, a twip, a tripwire. <laughs> Um, that prevented consumers from continuously using the service once they hit an undisclosed threshold. Well, that threshold came out to be you can only see three movies a month instead of one a day. And they didn't know until they got to the theater when... So your movie... Hey, I'm going to get my ticket. You can't see that movie because 
this company decided to bar you without telling you. Scum. Hey, so you mentioned through those, so those three things, guys, just so you're clear, that's just how they treated their customers. Um, I've got three things that, so the, again, this is why it's not like a shitty company. It's going to get worse. Um, so I've got three things that they tried to fuck over other things on the back end. So that's how they fucked over their customers. How about they try to fuck over the movie theater industry? Um, first and foremost, the whole reason that they decided they were going to amass this customer base is because their plan was, okay, we're going to lose a shit ton of money, but we're going to amass a 10 plus million subscriber. And then we're going to go to AMC and Regal and we're going to tell them, hey, you need to cut us in on your profits, which in case you guys don't know, movie theaters don't make money on the movie ticket. Um, like 90% of that revenue goes to the studio. Um, they make the money on their concessions. So that movie passes idea was, you know, even though movie theaters typically operate barely in the green, um, we're going to go to movie theaters and we're going to tell them that they're going to cut us in on those profits of the concessions. And if they don't, we're going to take their 10 million subscribers and we're going to tell them they can't go to that movie theater chain anymore. Um, so the plan was to essentially hold the movie theater industry hostage, um, which is complete bullshit. Um, so they're going to fuck over their movie theater partners. Number two, they're going to fuck over their uh, movie studio partners. Um, there's a big controversy. If you guys remember a little movie that came out a couple of years ago called Red Sparrow. It was uh, Jennifer Lawrence, I think, that was in it. She was yes. in a spy movie. Red Sparrow came out on the same week of a movie called Gotti, which is one of the biggest piles of shit movies ever. I'm ashamed to say John Travolta was a star in it. Um, but the people that made the Gotti movie paid Movie Pass to promote their movie. So what would happen is, is when people that weekend wanted to go see Red Sparrow, magically there'd be no movie listings available. But boy, there were showings for Gotti available. So they were trying to fuck with the movie ticket sales. <laughs> um, and that was their plan, was that they wanted movie theaters and movie studios to come to them, pay them copious amounts of money to curtail um, their customer base um, to what they were going to see. Um, which, again, so now you've, you're, you're fucking over the movie theaters. Now you're going to fuck over the movie studios. So these businesses that have been around for 100, 100, 100 plus years, you're going to show up and bully them. Good luck with that. And then another thing that happens more than it should, but if neither of those things worked, which they didn't, um, their plan was to use their customer database as a data farm, and they were going to sell their customers' data. Um, and you know, so far, I guess these are technically allegations, but um, the FCC has emails showing that senior leadership in the company discussed all the things Eric mentioned and all the things I just mentioned. Yes, they did. And yeah, you mentioned, yeah, I mean, they, just false promises, violation of ROSCA, which is the Restore Online Shoppers Confidence Act, and the personal information, um, selling the personal information, like, Companies will say, hey, we take our security very seriously and then pull shit like this. There's a reason why the Raska came out. 
but it's kind of ironic. It doesn't put my faith in uh, online consumerism. It does. It's scary. So, um, man, the, I just, I, I swore I was going to, I wasn't going to go on a rant, and I'm not going to. I'm glad we're recording this at, you know, 8.30 in the morning as opposed to 2, 3 in the afternoon when I've had a chance to really fully get my anger built up in my stomach. But, um, you know, Eric, I, I, I promise you I wouldn't invoke a name. And I'm just going to quickly mention it. So if you guys don't remember, 20 plus years ago, there was a company called Enron. Look it up. It was very illegal, <laughs> bad practices where the shredding of documents would occurred. Um, and people went to jail. And what I don't understand is it's been three years now since MoviePass has gone under. Movies not around. The, the company's no longer around. Um, they changed their business plan about 15 times. Um, and finally, people just stopped subscribing. Their stocks fell to literally below a penny. Um, so they started dividing their stocks to make the stock price go up, and it would work for about a week, and then their stock price would go back down. Um, and they finally went out of business. But I want to see people go to jail over this. Um, you know, I'm not saying we shouldn't protect consumers from themselves. There's a lot of stupid things that people go out and do on their own that I don't feel bad for them at all. But this is different because this is a company that made promises and marketed to people based on lies um, that was based on unethical business practices that were based on a completely unrealistic business plan, you know, and the fact that nobody's gone to jail yet pisses me off because if they had an ounce of marijuana on them in some states, they'd be going to jail immediately. But these people fucked over hundreds of thousands of people tried to fuck over two different industries and because these people, I guess, have money and because it's a white-collar crime, I guess, I, I hope the FTC swings the hammer. I, I, I will be irate if people don't go to jail over this. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of shit there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, companies that do this shit um, piss me off. Um, but it's just, yeah, I mean, you gotta do the, I would love to see the executives go to jail that did blatantly defraud consumers. Um, but we'll see. That's all we can do. Um, so just protect, do your, yeah. just protect yourself guys. Yes. <laughs> uh, so that's going to do it for this week, um, on the planet nerd podcast, uh, as always. I'm Eric Weird alongside Jordan Angie, and take care. Bye, nerds.